Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Dr. Tom Owen has been the archivist for regional history at the University of Louisville's Archives and Special Collections for 44 years. A Louisville native, uh, uh, Dr. Owen uh, holds degrees from Kentucky Wesleyan, Methodist Theological School in Ohio, and a doctorate in American history from the University of Kentucky. He speaks and writes on history topics, produces radio and television history features, including YouTube features, and leads tours throughout neighborhoods of Louisville. For 23 years, uh, from 1990 to 2016, he represented the Highlands on the Louisville Metro Council and its predecessor, and narrowly lost a mayoral race in 1998. Tom has been married to Phyllis Johnston for 55 years, and they have three children and seven grandchildren. He was appointed to the Board of Directors of Kentucky Humanities this year, and we're delighted, and I mean that underlined, uh, delighted to have him working with us. Why not a historian working for a history-based Kentucky Humanities, right, Tom? Well, I think that uh, history does relate in a lot of ways to the humanities. <laughs> well, you are so familiar to many, many people, especially in the metropolitan Louisville area. I think you have a bit of a reputation uh, across the state of Kentucky and beyond uh, from being on uh, Kentucky educational television statewide. Uh, we had uh, our first, I think, uh, uh, exchange uh, when I was at KET, and, and you were well into your uh, career at that time. We, we did uh, a couple of things together. It's just really, honestly, to tell you in person, such a privilege to uh, have you as a board of directors member and, and someone that we're going to call on a great deal uh, to help us uh, move forward uh, with the humanities in, in the Louisville area as well as Kentucky. Hope I can be helpful. I certainly have uh, interest and energy and um, just looking forward to it. Just join the board. So tell us uh, a little bit about yourself other than just the bio information I read uh, and uh, you've got such a rich uh, resume, but, but talk about uh, how you really uh, began, got interested, uh, Louisville native and your schooling. Well, I, I, I'm a Louisville kid. I'm a Louisville native. I went away to Kentucky Wesleyan um, as to be a preacher boy. And so I was a Methodist pastor at 18 years of age and right on the Davis County, McLean <laughs> County line. Um, and was at Wesleyan three years because since I was doing student pastorates, uh, I went to summer school. And as a result, I finished in three years. So I was at Wesleyan class of 1960. Um, and then kind of zigzagged around. Bill, it was the 60s and um, a lot of tumult, a lot of things going on from racial change to challenges of war and, and peace and uh, and, and I think, no doubt, uh, there was within even mainline denominations questions about faith and practice and all of those kinds of things. And so I 
went away first to Boston to a seminary, a Methodist seminary, kind of crashed and bombed after one semester, came back, zigzagged around. Finally, by the way, uh, to correct on down the line just a little bit, I did get a master's in history from U of L, and then that was the springboard to the doctorate in American history at UK. But nevertheless, I kind of zigzagged around, um, not sure what I wanted to be and how I wanted to get there, wherever I was going. I knew always I liked people. I liked liked stories, um, the the stories of people. And I I knew that. And so I then kind of got back toward the the pastorate um, and went to Southern Baptist um, here in Louisville part time. It was a much different seminary in those days. And during that period, I organized a brand new congregation in the suburbs of Louisville for three years and didn't eat regular. Uh, lived in my mother and dad's basement, so to speak, um, and uh, met Phyllis, uh, who was a Louisville person who was going to Western and finished down there. And as soon as she finished, we got married. Well, then I started eating regular. And when I started eating regular, my brain got better. And I got, frankly, a little better focused. Up to this point, I cannot say, I can just say two things about me. I was a curious human being. I remained interested in people. But I was not disciplined or focused enough to be what I would call an achieving student. Well, then I left that new pastorate after three years on the outer loop in Louisville and went away to the final seminary, the third one, which was Methodist Theological School in Ohio. And there I learned um, the value of the spoken word. I've always been sensitive to it. But there I learned the shaping of ideas and the communication of ideas. I deepened a faith that has abided with me ever since. Um, I am what I would call a mainline Protestant, deeply involved in listening to the word of God as it is spoken from the pulpit. And I I love the music of the church. I love the the words of the church. And I'm very, I'm a deacon in the Presbyterian church. I'm not an active deacon currently, but I've got my feet planted in a faith tradition and I'm, I'm liking that. It sounded like uh, early on uh, in the sixties and for a few years, you struggled with um, your faith to some degree. There, there were a lot of questions that we all go through. Uh, and, and you finally uh, decided that that wasn't for you. Yeah, well, the pastor wasn't for me. Not the, you know, I did not have to shake the dust off my feet um, to leave the pastor, which means I did not have a crisis of faith to leave the pastor. At that point, I gathered up and took a faith with me when I left the pastor, but I didn't know what I was going to do next. And at that point, they were doing community mental health work, just starting it out all around the Commonwealth. And I got an interview here and an interview there. None of them worked out. I decided to get a master's in history, and the rest is um, is history, as it were. Um, yeah, so I, I, by the way, I have, uh, even though I'm a Louisvillian, I, through my mother, my dad met my mother from in a coal camp uh, in Perry County because she was my East Tennessee relatives, the the Johns from East Tennessee had gone to the coal camps of Perry County, Blue Diamond, Harveyton. And so my dad was from Louisville. He met her. So I think of myself as having some deep Eastern Kentucky roots. The Owen family 
goes as almost to the beginning of Anglo settlement in Shelby County. And then I lived in Davis County, married a woman who finished college in Warren County and preached as a boy, as a 19 year old in counties west of Owensboro. Um, even held some revivals out that way. And so I just feel like I feel a kinship to the whole commonwealth. It seems like um, in, in discovering history, which I'm sure you're glad you, you, you did, you were also at a point where you could have gone into social work or you could have uh, done some uh, uh, psychology or you could have, uh, uh, but, but why history? What struck you at that time? Do you remember what, what, well, by that time, I had had some basic courses in church history, uh, had not been a history major as a college student, but in seminaries got interested in church history. And it's the again, it's the stories of people in settings. Um, it's the combination of mind and action. It's the combination of um uh, of the whole notion that people face crises and they face them sometimes by turning tail and running. Sometimes their profiles encourage and sometimes, frankly, most of the time, they're a mixed bag of human condition, ambiguity, tension, things that are never fully rec uh, resolved. And it's that kind of action that I like. Was there a point, if you remember, um, when you started your, your history journey, that you knew that you had found your, uh, other than the church and your faith, that you'd found your calling and that you found your love? Yeah, and that really finally occurred when I got to Lexington for three years and working on the doctorate finishing the doctorate, ultimately dragging a PhD dissertation with the grommets sparking on the concrete as I, as my derriere was sparking on the concrete as I was pulled across the finish line by 1981. Uh, that whole process took just nine years, but I was helping raise kids and getting a new job going in 1975 at U L and all of that kind of thing. But yeah, the, here is the thing that excites me to this day that I finally was able to get a, a arms around there when I was working on the doctorate. And the fancy word is historiography. But what that means to me and what the way I translate it and interpret it is that you can agree on the date something happened, an accident at an intersection, for instance, but you can never agree what was in the mind and thought of the two drivers of the, of the automobile, nor the witnesses to the accident that occurred with each person standing on one of the four corners of the intersection. And that is an analogy for me about history. It is a living, breathing, ongoing, never ending debate, discussion, about the past, what caused the events, and what the result of the events were was. And that's, it's for me, I call it historiography, but that is the energy that comes. So with that appreciation, and by this time, 
getting increasingly comfortable, not that I was ever terribly uncomfortable with the spoken word. The written word comes tougher for me. But the spoken word, by the way, I had won a statewide I Speak for Democracy contest in 1957 uh, and went away to Washington to that contest. So I had some, some skills for, for, for sound and for, and for ideas spoken. Um, but the written word has been tougher for me, and I do that. I can do it, but I'm, I'm too hard on myself. What was your dissertation on? Oh, that's interesting. As uh, uh, working at U of L in working on the masters, I was a gopher for uh, two researchers in the papers of Louis D. Brandeis, which are at the law school at U of L, um, and um, just in the same boxes next to the Brandeis papers. And I, at that point, had access to those papers Sunday at eleven thirty p.m. Any day, any time, I could get to those papers. Well, the papers of John Marshall Harlan, H-A-R-L-A-N, the elder who was out of Danville to Frankfurt. His dad had been state attorney general. He became a lawyer in Louisville, and he got appointed to the United States Supreme Court. And when he got to the Supreme Court, he was a dissenter, a no vote on those major Supreme Court decisions that established Jim Crow segregation. So here's a slave owner, a mid-Kentucky slave owner, who by 1900 and 1905, 1909, was a uh, a critic of segregation, declaring that the, uh, so to make a long story short, I wrote a master's thesis at UofL on Harlan's pre-court career, and then I expanded that master's into a dissertation on the history of Kentucky's Republican Party uh, in the period from about 1855, pre-Civil War, up to about uh, 1871, where Harlan had been, 1875, I'm sorry, who had, Harlan had been the gubernatorial candidate for the Republican Party twice, of course, got his socks beaten off, but there were real centers of republicanism that even suggested the idea of a biracial future for America. Yeah. So that's what appealed to me. And I wrote on the, the answer to your question is the dissertation was on Kentucky's Republican Party, 1855 to 1875. Uh, fascinating. Uh, I don't know if you're aware uh, that we had as our, one of our special guests uh, last year in November at the Kentucky uh, Book Fair. Luxembourg. Luxembourg, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, excellent book. And, and uh, it was on the Plessy versus Ferguson decision. He did a lot of his research um, at uh, the University of Kentucky uh, and at U of L, uh, both. Uh, really, uh, uh, Justice Harlan is, is a big part of that. So when I got to U of L, I actually got in a, I got to U of L, uh, ABD, all but dissertation. It's going to come along in about six years, um, finished in about six years. But nevertheless, I got a, a federal make work job, CETA. Comprehensive Employment Training Act job that got me trained as an archivist, all but dissertation in hand. Had left Lexington, come back. I'd come back to Louisville with wife and three kids. Um, my parents were always supportive of my zigzagging and my and my ultimate 
landing where I did. But I got a job under CETA, finally, finally lucked out and got transitioned to permanent employment, Have had rough patches in between, um, became an archivist in 75, and I've been an archivist ever since. Very, very early on, I started doing public history and ultimately public history in 25 different ways. Walks, talks, talking to elders, talking to Alzheimer's people, talking to television, radio, walking tours, bicycle tours, bus tours. And I've been doing that ever since, 80 gigs a year. <laughs> what, is a, what is an archivist? What does an archivist do? An archivist is a caretaker, usually of the written or the photographic word. And so um, we have archives and special collections at the University of Louisville, massive photographic collection, significant rare books collection, and a significant collection of materials in the shadow of the Filson, yes, 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 but nevertheless substantial. And we have focused since 1973 on what I would call those organizations and individuals who got easily overlooked in the great white man theory of history. So Jewish community, African-American community, social service agencies. We have boxes and boxes and boxes of the contents of file cabinets from 1860 forward. There weren't any file cabinets, but if you can just think of file folders lifted out of file cabinets and writ, and we, do, we describe, organize, and describe that material, and historians and people in the community come, and students come to use that material. What's the most interesting or one of the most interesting items that you found in that time period from 1860 uh, beyond post-Civil War? We hear so much today about um, reparations and about um, uh, the, uh, the act itself, uh, the, 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 the freeing uh, of the enslaved. Uh, didn't really occur until much, much later. What, what, what did you find there? Well, let, let, let me broaden that question just a little bit and answer it in this way. And this is a conclusion that I absolutely believe with conviction, that the civil rights era did not begin in the, eight, in the 1950s. But ever since, the, as a people, here on this continent, as the Anglos and the Africans came um, to settle this place on Native American land, as we, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, there was tension and argument over race. So, for instance, I give you an example. One of the projects that I was involved in, I've been involved in many, 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 was the microfilming and the digitizing of an African-American newspaper in Louisville from 1917 to 1950. You read the Louisville Leader, not the Louisville Defender, predecessor, predecessor by several decades to the Louisville Defender. You read that. And there's kicking and gnawing of teeth, gnashing of teeth over what's going on in the segregation of the parks, in the lynching of African-Americans in the deeper South, in the complaints about the exclusion and the lowered ceilings for aspirant aspirant African-Americans. So civil rights didn't begin in the 1950s, but all since the beginning of our nation, we have been 
arguing and debating, and there has been tension over race. I'm going to uh, guess that uh, even in Louisville, uh, you witnessed some of the same things that uh, I did when I was growing up in rural Kentucky, uh, separate uh, bathrooms for water fountains for the colored, uh, uh, segregated movie theaters, uh, all of that. Was that going on in your growing up in Louisville? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was um, actually I was raised until I was 13 in what's now predominantly African-American West Louisville. But uh, um, I began actually the harshest moments of my time involving race. I was relatively insulated as a comfortable middle class um, white person, even though I was living in West Louisville and African-Americans live not so far away at all. Um, But it was as I was in my 20s, I can remember moments um, in Davis County where I had a youth group where a biracial child was in that group youth group. We were turned away at a rolling skate, roller skating rink. Uh, I can remember going with an African student at U of L, a dark skinned man um, to ride a horse at the uh, riding public riding stables on Southern Parkway and being turned away. Um, So I can remember that. And these are early 1960s memories. Well, the late one, late 1950s and the early are early 1960s memories. Well, Tom, let's move forward a little bit. Uh, What uh, led you to uh, politics? (laughs) Well, I I, I memorized, uh uh-oh, this is a problem. I memorized the presidential oath of office. I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully. Uh, I memorized that presidential oath of office when I was 13 years old. So I must have had something running around on that DNA, jumping and hopping. Um, And I've always been fascinated by the stories um, of political people, from a Lincoln to a Kennedy to to, uh, organizing cabinets and how you do that. So I've been always interested in kind of a general way, but not involved in party or barely involved, frankly, because of all of the after 19... 68, I had wife, kids, part-time, full-time work, going to school, going to school, going to school. So I, I really didn't get involved in party politics. Got involved a little bit, but I love my community. I love my community. And I found that by the 1980s, by doing 110 or 120 gigs a year to leadership groups, to school groups, to, to old people's groups, I realized, Bill, it was a political base. And I challenged an incumbent to run for the Board of Aldermen in 1989. Now, it was a ward-based, now called district, a ward-based election. And I won. I didn't know how good I would be at it or how poor I would be at it, but I was willing to do it. And I did it in a 25-hour-a-week extra part-time job, keeping my day job with a little bit of flexibility. But taking that day job very, very seriously um, because I was not a tenured professor. I'm a full professor of libraries term, which means I'm under an annual contract after these 45 years. Um, but, but nevertheless, so I did not have what you would call back at 
that my day job, absolute security. And so uh, I think I was appreciated. I got some awards from time to time. But nevertheless, I found it was a political base and I got elected. And after eight, after eight years of doing that, I ran for mayor. And in the Democratic primary, which was tantamount to election, I only lost by these three hairs in my chinny chin chin. And, uh, uh, and then I was gone for four years, uh, always with a part-time job, but enjoying the work. Not, oh, believe me, it was frustrating. And I, took, I drank more and more Maalox as time went on. But nevertheless, but nevertheless uh, I enjoyed the work. And I was good at it at a level of 79 to 83%. I was really good at it. And that's something I'm praising myself more than I deserve, frankly, but I, but I felt good about it. There were certain aspects of the work that I was not good at. Not good at patience with legislation, writing laws, walking up and down the hall, ultimately with the Metro Council after 2003 when I came back because I was a four-year hiatus there between 98 and 2003. Um, nevertheless, uh, I did, was not good at what I would call legislative process. Awfully good at articulating issues, bringing people, teaching about issues. Awfully good at constituent service. Absolutely accessible. I don't have a car. I haven't had a car in 25 years. I'm a bicycle bus rider. And you're... Alderman, your Metro Council, you're going to see walking down the street on the, standing at the bus. And then I rode my bicycle every year. I rode in front of every one of the homes of my 28,000 constituents with a notepad in my hand, waving and hollering, and pulling in the driveway. So I love that work. I was good at it. Um, and I did not, since I like people and I know stories and appreciate where people are coming from in a partisan elected body, I did not hold grudges and found most of the time I could appreciate the colleagues, even when we disagree. And so I brought some real value, I think, to the work. Tom, when Louisville is in the midst of the Kentucky Derby or the Christmas lights in December or in normal times, uh, a celebration of the farmers markets on Saturday in the neighborhood connectedness that, that is Louisville. They're, they're a great city. When below that, we have an incident uh, that is being investigated as we speak uh, that occurred that shouldn't have occurred with a emergency uh, technician uh, who was uh, slain. Uh, that is yes. ongoing and will be going on for for many months, if not years. What what is the dichotomy? What is the Louisville that you see today and that you you want to see tomorrow? There's always the better angels that are beckoning toward us in the future. The past is burdened by race and poverty and discrimination and by dampened and shoved aside aspirations. And we are the inheritors of those many centuries of, uh, uh, of, of exclusion and repression and discrimination. Uh, it affects itself in the availability of healthcare. It affects itself in the, in the, in the 
sometimes in the quick figure, figure the, the trigger finger of, uh, of law enforcement officers. Um, it uh, all kinds of, uh, of disparate opportunities and possibilities. Um, so I just see ourselves as inheritors. Um, the sins of previous generations and even our own will be visited down upon us. And I see that. But that does not mean, that does not mean that you don't. That's one of the reasons I rode my bicycle and my bus rider is that I want to put my arms to the extent possible. I'll, I'll ride my bicycle across a, what's perceived by most whites, suburban and others, uh, as a high crime West Little. Uh, I'll be on my way to give a talk in Portland and leave Belknap campus and cut across Parkland and Russell and some areas that are perceived as higher crime. But again, it's, it's our community and it's our community and our future beckons to us. And though, and we're being beckoned by a higher and a better purpose and a more humane purpose. And that's, that's what nourishes me hope. Now there's plenty to despair. Oh Lordy. You need despair. Just read social media or read media in multiple forms. Plenty to despair. But on the other hand, I see a more positive, hopeful, humane, compassionate future beckoning us. Tom, tell me with with all of the walking tours, uh, bicycle tours, your Wednesday uh, walks, uh, all of that you've done for so many years. Have you ever not been able to answer a question? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, I did a uh, I, I did a uh, video conferencing um, talk yesterday on Louisville history to 140 people, and there was a Q and A at the end. And somebody asked me, "Well, what do you know about Bug Alley?" Well, I, if I've ever heard of Bug Alley. Sure, sure, sure. There's always something you don't know. But that's the beauty of getting up every day for me is that I can keep on, keep on pouring it in. And a lot leaks out, but I keep pouring it in every day. Um, I don't know, Bill. I just love the fact, for instance, now I always say baby step removed, one or two baby steps removed. But bourbon is named for the French king who helped who gave Louisville its name and who helped bail our dairy out of a deep crack in the darkest days of the American revolution. His family's last name, Bourbon. <laughs> I mean, famille du Bourbon, but, and, you know, that, so, but that's what I call street rap. And I actually put on Facebook yesterday, 30 minutes of street rap. <laughs> really? Wow. Well, Tom um, uh, Owen uh, of Louisville, uh, you're such a, a welcome addition to our board of directors. Uh, it's something that um, that I understand that that you, you kind of surprised you, and that uh, we, we had a, a great conversation back. Uh, gee whiz, it seems like, and it was, I guess, many months ago, pre-pandemic. Uh, How about that? And uh, we're just looking forward to having you on board with us, and and we'll we'll get beyond this and get past this, and and get to see each other in person. And I'm just going to look forward to learning so much from you uh, uh, as we, uh, as we grow older together. How about that? We, we, someone ought to write a song when we get to the other side. Uh, exactly. Tom Owen, thank you so much. I appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Bill. 
Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.